I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Enlightening. Nothing personal word of the day today is enlightened. Enlightening. What should we make it, Coca? Let's make it enlightened. I was enlightened. You know what that means? It's actually pretty good. When when you find something to be enlightening, it means that you are discovering a feeling that you didn't have. You are seeing things from a different perspective in a way you never saw them before. You open a door and all of a sudden, I'm enlightened. It's sort of, I picture the old Renaissance paintings back in the day where there's this light it's, it's, it has very religious connotations, actually, back in the Renaissance period, but where light is shown upon people or upon subjects and people become enlightened. Now it means that when you learn something or when you feel like you're smarter, you feel like you had an epiphany. Often, after an enlightening experience, you have an accompanying epiphany. I have to revisit the Cleveland Indians name change because Paul Dolan, the owner of the Indians, spoke yesterday. He spoke through a statement, and I found the statement to be they had so much time to work on this. When you know you're going to do something, and they knew they were going to change their name, they knew very well after the WFT became the WFT, after they used to be the WR, that they were going to have to change their name, and they were going to convene committees, all the stuff we talked about yesterday. And it feels like, it feels like Paul Dolan was taken by surprise. And again, the name of the show is nothing personal. Paul, this is nothing personal, but... Your statement said the following. The Cleveland Indians today announced our decision to begin the process of changing from our team name Indians. Since July, we have conducted an extensive process, an extensive process, not a moderate process, not a cursory process. They did an extensive one. Thank God to learn how our team affected different constituencies and whether it aligned with our organizational values. Just on a side note, When you're on the wrong side of history, you don't need an extensive process to know that. Generally, you do know it. All you needed was an extensive meeting to say, oh, Christ, we got to change our name. We have no choice. All right. So they do a statement. First paragraph is a general statement. But then for a reason that escapes me other than ego, Team owner and chairman Paul Dolan had a quote. Hearing firsthand the stories and experiences of Native American people, we gained a deep understanding of how tribal communities feel about the team name and the detrimental effects it has on them. Timeout. Timeout. I'm calling a 24-second timeout. Wow, I'm old. In the NBA, it used to be a 24-second injury timeout. Now it's just a 20-second timeout for whatever reason you want because players were faking injuries, by the way to get the injury timeout when they wanted to call a play. So Paul Dolan gets his PR guys together. They sit down. They say, all right, we have to be careful. We have to be sensitive. Why would they start it with hearing firsthand the stories? Where has he been? He is continuing 
to pretend that this is a recent phenomenon. All of a sudden, the Native Americans are offended by the Indian's name. It just happened. Who knew? They weren't offended before. Now they're offended. So what I did is I went to hear firsthand because I would never grant them meetings before. They tried to meet with me. They sent me letters. They sent me emails. They protested in front of our ballpark before opening day, but I stayed in the suite. I didn't want to listen. But now, because I had no choice, I heard firsthand. That means that he was actually at one meeting. You can't say hearing firsthand if it's your PR guy who comes to you and says, man, I was just in a meeting with the community relations people. And man, those Native American guys, man, they're pissed. That secondhand. So he starts the statement, I heard firsthand. Okay, what else happened? We also spoke to local civic leaders who represent diverse populations in our city and who highlighted the negative impact our team name has had on our broader population. Oh, my God. He needed to speak to local civic leaders and they needed to highlight to him that there was an issue with the name. Paul, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. But it didn't stop there. (laughs) I am truly grateful. So when you're doing a, uh, a thank you note or when you're doing a thank you, don't say I'm truly grateful because then it means that when you don't say I'm truly grateful that you're not really grateful. You're sort of falsely grateful. Hey, I have to say I'm grateful, even though I'm not grateful. I'd like to be grateful. You want me to think I'm grateful. You want to think that I think that you're grateful, that I'm grateful, that we're all happy, but I'm truly grateful. All right, good. For their engagement and input. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Which I found, here we go. I am truly grateful for their engagement and input, which I found enlightening and insightful. (laughs) I can't help it, Coca. What do you want me to do, Coca? We have to. I know he's a good guy. I know he's an owner. But don't we owe it to the listeners and to the watchers on YouTube, don't we? Enlightening is the word of the day. He found it enlightening. He found the input. It can't be. He was grateful for the enlightenment, for the engagement and the input. I am grateful, truly grateful for their engagement and input, which I found enlightening. So here's how the meeting goes. Hey, Paul, man, you are screwed, aren't you? You got to do it, right? You know, I got to tell you, we got Native American men, women, and children, and they've been upset about the Indian's name forever. And Chief Wahoo and the tribe, it's not, what? Wait a minute, I'm sorry, say that again. It's not, it's racist. It's not nice. Hold on, I'm feeling a moment. Turn on the lights. I'm getting enlightened. He got enlightened by the input and the engagement. And then it ends. When a sports team is aligned with its community, it unlocks the ability to unite people from different backgrounds. Translation, we can draw revenue from all sorts of people. Black, white, red, pink, green, gay, straight, by trans. While Indians will always be a part of our history, it is time to move forward and work to unify our stakeholders and fans through a new name. When he says, while Indians will always be a part of our history, is he talking about Native Americans? Is he talking about the name Cleveland Indians? 
This statement was horse hockey from first sentence to last end quote. I got to tell you, I was a little shocked at the reaction I got to yesterday's show. People got on Twitter at David P. Sampson, sent me a bunch of DMs on Instagram at David P. Sampson. People were upset and angry and Coca told me to ignore it, but I don't. I pay attention to what people are saying because I want to know. You were upset that I said the Chicago Blackhawks and the Atlanta Braves are now on the clock. They're going to have to really make a decision, even though the Blackhawks claim they have. If the noise gets loud enough, if the stakeholders can enlighten the owners, if they can have true, true dialogue, (laughs) I'm just saying that change may happen. I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree, but I will. Here's all I agree or disagree with. When the point comes in your business that your business is impacted by something having nothing to do with your product, you've got to change that and get rid of it. You want people to vote with their pocketbook and you want their pocketbook to depend on the level of your product, on the, what I can't think of the word, but on the success of your product. You don't want people not to engage in you because of your name or because of the perception that there could be some sort of bias, why would you ever cut out any part of a community that could possibly help your business? It just doesn't make sense. And for those of you who are standing on ceremony saying, stay out of it. We love our name. You don't even understand why it's the Blackhawks. We heard from the owner. We know why. It's not negative at all. And as for the Tomahawk Chop in Atlanta, Stay out of our business. Well, here, nothing personal. We're in your business. You've downloaded, you've subscribed. Doesn't mean you have to agree. But just do me a favor when you write and when you talk. Don't say that you had an enlightening experience when it's something you should. Oh, wait a minute. Coca, is it true? It is. Two plus two is four and two times two is four. Oh, my God. That was an enlightening experience. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> so you know that I say stuff because it's 45 minutes. It's unedited. We go straight through unless I have to go to the bathroom, which has happened never. Sometimes we have to stop because there's breaking news on CBS Sports HQ. Get on the air, Samson. Coca, stop. Remember when we had to take that call from Quinn? Something happened. I can't remember what it was. But sometimes I say things that are wrong because all I have in front of me here is a outline and sort of the number of minutes that I want to speak on a topic that Coke and I agreed to during our pregame preparation. And then we talk after the show about what went well, what didn't go well. Were you too long? Were you too short? Blah, 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 blah. But I make mistakes and I count on you to correct me. Yesterday, I was talking about the Cleveland Indians, and I was talking about their 97 World Series team, and I mentioned CC Sabathia as a ringless Indian, and there was confusion that I thought that CC Sabathia was on the 97 team. And you corrected me, saying that CC Sabathia joined the team in 2001. He was not on the 97 team. I am enlightened. Thank you. Someone said, I hope to hear the correction on the show. Well, you just heard it. I'll always make a correction on the show. You know that. Sometimes I like to revisit topics. I don't really know what I'm going to revisit. The way this works is that we do a show 
And then we watch to see what's trending during the rest of the day. And I'm always on the phone or always watching news shows and I'm looking for entertainment or political topics or entertainment topics or sports topics. I want to see what interests you. I want to see what interests me. I want to see what interests Coca. When we can find an intersection, we've got ourselves a segment. And then we decide, is the segment five minutes? Is it eight minutes? Is it 15 minutes? Is this a 30-minute segment? We did a pretty long segment recently. I think it was... uh, I actually don't know when it was. I'm going to assume it was in the last couple of weeks. That's the other thing that no one believes me when I give speeches or when I'm talking to friends or colleagues or just strangers who contact me. Hey, do you remember when you talked about X or Y? And I say, no, I don't. I really don't. But I do know that we spoke recently about vaccines and about sports leagues cutting the line. Skipping the line. I think we talked about Disney, didn't we, Coca, with the fast pass? And the VIP treatments, you can go in through the outdoor. He went in through the outdoor. God, that's actually totally sexual. I didn't realize there's a song. I thought I think it could be by the Bangles, but this is going to be a total correction, Coca. I don't know who sings that song, but that's the line from the song. And uh, Roger Goodell is trying to get some good PR yesterday. Did it work? Are you guys all excited about the NFL? Do you feel good about them and giving them your money? Roger Goodell said, we, he took the microphone, he made a statement, we will not skip the vaccine line. We recognize that we will play the Super Bowl on February 7th in Tampa, Florida, without the benefit of players being vaccinated. Gary Bettman and Adam Silver and Rob Manfred said, God damn it. The NFL benefits again from the timeline and we can't control it. The NFL didn't have to do all the crap we had to do in March and April trying to do a return to play. He just plowed forward. The most he did was make the draft virtual and have a bunch of first responders and Anthony Fauci and a bunch of others talking during the draft. We had to send cameras to a bunch of kids' houses but we didn't miss anything. Ah, we had to delay a few games. Rearrange the schedule. Rod Manfred said, rearrange the schedule. We had to play seven inning doubleheaders. Adam Silver said, we had to create a bubble. Gary Bettman said, we had to stand on a mountain and use a megaphone and try to get attention for our sport and still didn't work. Roger Goodell said, hey, I didn't. And by the way, we're now in week. What week are we in in the NFL, Coca? What week just ended last night? I'm going to talk later in the show about what happened last night because I couldn't be more pissed off about it because I'm tired, grumpy, and lost a pick of the day. I think we're in week, what, 14, 15? Everything's gone on as schedule. No issue. They're heading into week 15 right now. They haven't had to add a week 18. They haven't announced a playoff bubble. The Super Bowl is as scheduled. And now he gets to say that we are not skipping the line to get vaccines. Think about the concept for, for, for a moment that Roger Goodell has to actually say something because there is such an interesting groundswell of concern, of privilege, of debate <clears throat> that's happening I'm not sure I hit mute fast enough on that throw clear. 
where leagues have to decide morally what they want to do. NHL came out and said, hey, if you can get it privately, please do. NBA is going to do the same thing, I promise you. MLB is going to do the same thing, I promise you. Those things are happening. The vaccine, uh, the first dose happened actually yesterday, which was pretty cool. And that'll make it a memorable day. But the NFL, their season ends before spring training starts. Their season ends well before the NBA gets started with its playoffs. They're starting their season December 22nd. So the NFL season starts just a month and a half into the NBA season. The NFL season ends about a month into the NHL season. So there is very, very good reason for the NBA and NHL and MLB to skip the line and to get their players vaccinated because the players don't want the COVID protocols that are put in place because they're so strict. They don't like the fact that they're being watched on the road. They have to stay in the hotel. There's a security guards. They don't like the fact that at home they can't do X, Y, Z, A, B, C. They can't go out. They can't do anything. So they all want to get vaccinated because under the deal that will be cut with the union, wait to see, once a player gets vaccinated, they will have looser COVID protocols. Roger Goodell knows that the first batch of vaccines have begun to arrive in hospitals, and that's it. No one else is being vaccinated right now. They're starting with a few nursing homes and a few uh, responders, healthcare providers, doctors, etc. You can't hide before February 7th. Once we get into March and April, it'll be much easier for the NBA to say, hey, you know, we were in line. You know, we have some players who have some pre-existing conditions and it was our turn. Vaccines are prolific. They're everywhere. The NFL has no chance to get that done before February 7th. Zero. So one of the great sort of PR coups is when you take credit for not doing something that you had no chance in the world to do under any scenario. And that is the perfect time for someone like Roger Goodell to stand up and announce with his shoulders spread, posture perfect, the holier-than-thou attitude that the NFL and Roger Goodell have had throughout this pandemic. We've decided, ladies and gentlemen, that we will not skip the line. That's like a bank robber who is a career criminal Walking into a bank, he says to the teller, he gets, he waits in line, goes to the front of the line, says to the teller, listen, I got big news for you, ma'am, sir. I've decided just because I wanted to, I'm not going to rob your bank today. I know. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Please, please don't thank me. I'm doing this for you. I'm not going to rob your bank. That's very nice of you, Roger. Thank you for not robbing vaccines from people who actually need them. All right, what else happened yesterday, Coca? Something big, and we get to talk about it. I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson? That's from the movie Half-Baked. I actually watched Half-Baked recently. I wanted to test the theory of what it is to be 15 sixteenths baked while watching Half-Baked. Because <clears throat> I've watched it 8 sixteenths baked. 
and I've watched it zero 16 spaked. It turns out it's funny either way, especially when you're not sleeping. I keep, is it in the sheets? Is it in the streets? Who can keep track these days? It's too much. It's too much. Too many strains. Too many. What happened to just like putting it under a light, rolling it? It's too much. Anyway, get into my Twitter at David P. Sampson. I digress. Get into my Instagram and ask me a question. (laughs) It's pretty funny that this is not a sports-related question, but it has to be talked about because December 14th is a big day in 2020. Question. Do you prefer the 538 electoral system or the popular vote? So I'm going to expand on that question because I'd like it to be more specific, which is, can you explain the electoral system and then tell us, do you prefer the electoral system or the popular vote system? Well, thanks for asking. First of all, there are 538 electors. Let's be very clear how this works. You go to vote on November 3rd, and then there is a count of the votes in your state. Let's just take Florida. Let's say in Florida, there were 25 million people who voted for Trump and 24 million people who voted for Biden. That is the popular vote, quote unquote, in Florida. That means that Trump won Florida. And I'm making up the numbers, but just assume it's 25 million to 24 million. So Trump wins Florida. Does that mean that Trump gets those electoral votes? What the hell is an electoral vote? There are actually people who are called electors. Literally, electors are assigned by the two different political parties. There are Republican electors and there are Democratic electors. Electors are people like you and me. Electors are people, people with children, busy with children and things that they do. There are a lot of things, a lot of things electors can do. No, electors have one job. They go to their state capitol on December 14th and they vote for president. They say to themselves, who did our state vote for? I'll vote for that guy. Who did our state vote for? I'll vote for that girl, that person. So literally, when the Republican wins the popular vote of a state, all that means is those electors get to go to the state capitol on December 14th and vote for president. So there's a Democratic elector, a Republican elector. If the Republican wins the state, the Republican electors go to the state capitol and vote. And in theory, vote for the Republican. If the Democrat wins the state, like in New York, and a Democratic elector is, by the way, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Andrew Cuomo, those are Democratic electors. They go to Albany and they say, well, Biden won New York. We're going to go to Albany and we're going to vote for Biden. There are 538 electors. How come? Well, how many members of Congress are there? Any idea? There are 100 senators. That's two per state. There are 437 members of the House. That's districts. Lest you think that gerrymandering The design of districts doesn't matter. It does. There are 437 members of the House. And then one dude or person, place or thing, one noun 
from the District of Columbia. 538 electors. They convene on December 14th and they vote for president. Now, it's only the Democratic electors who went because they go from the states that the Democrat won. The Republican electors go from the state the Republicans go. They all go and they vote. What happens if a Republican wins the popular vote, the Republican electors go to vote on December 14th and they vote for the Democrat? There's a word for that. That's like a runaway elector. There's nothing you can do if that happens. That's why the electoral vote matters. There's got to be 270 people. It doesn't matter where they're from. That's the unbelievable piece of misinformation. It doesn't matter where they're from. 270 people need to vote for a person to become president of the United States. There could be 10 from New York, 10 from California, one from Alaska. It doesn't matter who won the popular vote. Electors could be runaway trains and vote forever they want. Doesn't happen. There was a thought yesterday and a concern. It was covered live on the networks. A thought that some of the Democratic electors could maybe vote for the Republican because they thought there was fraud. Didn't happen. Joe Biden won the electoral vote. That is winning the electoral vote is when one person gets over 270 people to vote on December 14th. They're supposed to vote the way their state voted, but they don't always. The popular vote is when you add up every election ballot that's cast and whoever has the most wins. That's it. There's no electors. There's no getting to 270. There's no watching all the different networks as they do different electoral math. Well, if the California, if he doesn't get, if he gets Wisconsin, then he needs to also get Michigan. If he loses Texas, then he needs Florida. If he loses Texas and Florida, he better get the Sun Belt, maybe the Rust Belt, maybe the Bible Belt. A lot of belts, by the way. Coke, I just thought about this. Why are there so many belts? Anybody know the answer to that? There's so many belts in America. I view a belt as a thing to hold my gotkas up. That means pants, by the way. So the popular vote, would be Joe Biden got 80 million votes. Donald Trump got 74 million votes, round numbers. Joe Biden's president. That's it. The minute you're done counting the votes, the legal votes, the minute all the lawsuits are done, et cetera, et cetera, that's the president. Why do you need electors? Well, the system started way back in the day when it was very difficult for candidates to campaign. There was no social media. Traveling was difficult. Interestingly enough, if it's popular vote, you'd spend a heck of a lot more time in places that are far more densely populated. And those cities tend to be blue versus red. So it tends to be that red conservatives prefer the electoral vote until this year. Democrats would be fine with the popular vote because there's so many people who live in cities that are generally Democrats. Remember, I don't believe in Coke. I could be wrong. I think that Trump lost the popular vote in 16 as well to Hillary Clinton. But it didn't matter because when you get 270 electoral votes, you become president. So the question you're asking me is, what do I prefer? And the answer is, times have changed. I want the popular vote. It is just as easy for a candidate to campaign in 
the far reaches of the least dense states like Bismarck, North Dakota, let's say. It's just as easy for a candidate to campaign in Bismarck as it is for him or her or they to campaign in New York City. It really is. I think the reason for the electoral vote made sense when it was invented and it doesn't make sense now. And the reason why it's not going to change is because politicians who are voted into office are scared. They don't want to make a change that significant to our system because they feel that if they do that, that you are doing it for the blue. You're doing it because you're anti-red. Except in a popular vote, I assure you that over time, the best candidate will tend to win. So the answer is, do I prefer the 538 electoral system or the popular vote? I prefer the popular vote. I appreciate you asking. When we come back, we're going to talk about Tim Matheson, a friend of the show. And we're also going to get to, I have to do two days in a row. We're going to get to Met stuff. We have to because it was too good to be true. And maybe if we have time, maybe if we have time, I'm going to tell you why I was still up at 3 a.m. watching laterals. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. You have found us. You've downloaded, you've subscribed, and I appreciate it. Thank you for getting through the commercials. Thank you for supporting this show the way you do. Tell your friends about it. Download, subscribe. If you're watching me, I've got a blazer on. I've got a shirt. I'm ready to go on Survivor. I have shorts on. No shoes, no socks, but I am on a towel because my feet tend to schwitz during a show. Download and subscribe. Go to Nothing Personal with David Sampson on YouTube if you want to see whether or not the carpet matches the shades. And it does, actually, as I'm looking out, everything matches perfectly. I watched season two. I watched season two of Virgin River. Virgin Rivers with Alexandra Breckenridge, Martin Henderson, and Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson, if you haven't heard that, Sampson, sit down. 
Tim Matheson, Vice President Hoynes from West Wing. Tim Matheson from Animal House. Tim Matheson from that show with Rachel Bilson. Oh, my God, Coca. Rachel Bilson, the one who had dated Hayden Christensen. Ho- I, don't, I want to say it's Hope and Glory, but it's not. Hart and Dixie. Thank you, Coca. I'm just kidding. Coca had nothing to do with it. Hello. Hello, Coca. Coca, is that Hart and Dixie? Yeah, it is. And by the way, Coca's saying I knew it was Hart and Dixie because I've watched that entire show. That's great. That's good value added to the show. I'm enlightened, Coca. That was a very enlightening thing about you that you watched Hart and Dixie. Virgin River is about a place. It's filmed in Vancouver, Canada, which is one of the most beautiful places on earth. If you have not been to Vancouver, check it out once Canada opens the borders in the next 12 to 18 years. It is beautiful. It's not supposed to be Canada, but it, it is Canada. It's supposed to be a place called Virgin River, someplace in one of the belts. Coca, you never told me why it's a belt. If you're listening or watching this, will you get to me on Twitter, David P. Sampson? First hit follow and then tell me why the heck there's so many damn belts in the U.S. So season two, it was picked up because it's popular. It's very syrupy and very perfect. It's a story about a small town and there's a doctor who reminds me of the, uh, was it Art Carney who played the doctor in Doc Hollywood? And who is all this grumpy old guy and they want to get a new young doctor in and that's Michael J. Fox. And Julie Warner is the beautiful girl who falls in love with the big city doctor. It's called Doc Hollywood. Check it out. Once you get past the first 12 minutes, you won't want to check it out, but you should because it's an incredible movie. So Alexandra Breckenridge plays a doctor named Mel, a nurse practitioner. It's Barnard Hugh. Hughes. Thank you. Not Art Carney. That's weird. Do Barnard Hughes and Art Carney look alike? They may. You probably never heard of our Carney Coca, but you should have. He's a very funny guy. So she's from L.A. She comes and she meets with Tim Matheson, who plays the town doctor, and they don't get along. Then they do get along. Then she falls in love. There's a reason why she escaped L.A. It's sort of a mysterious reason. Then it becomes clear. There's all sorts of drama and gossip. Annette O'Toole is in it from 48 Hours. Season two dives into these characters, these love stories a little more. Gives you an idea that even in a small town, there could be a meth farm. There could be a fentanyl lab. There's drama. There's angst. There's anxiety. There's syrup. There's love. There's perfection. Virgin River season two. The good news is it's so good. Can I break some news right now? Is it breaking news? I doubt it is. There's going to be a season three, and I'm going to watch it. If you're looking to escape... And if you're looking to feel good, and if you're looking to see how good Tim Matheson is at acting, check out Virgin River season two. By the way, Tim Matheson directs two of the episodes. By the way, Tim Matheson does the salsa in one of the episodes. He actually dances the salsa. Not easy to do. Virgin River, check it out. We got a lot of good things we're reviewing this week. I've got a lot of good movies on my plate, by the way, Coca. Meryl Streep is quite active. Hint. Meryl Streep is quite active. Okay, let's talk about Sandy Alderson. Sandy Alderson is the, I don't know what he is. Does he have a title? I don't think he does. Sandy Alderson is with the Mets. He's working with Steve Cohn. Remember, they hired their GM. They signed James McCann. Well, he met the media. And what he said to the media should have struck a nerve with you. And you should have known that we're going to cover it on Nothing Personal. 
He said, we can afford to wait to fill some holes, but we can't afford to wait to fill all of them. He told the media yesterday. Signing James McCann, sick. This wasn't a compromise pick. Part of it, part of it was our really strong interest in James McCann. But at the same time, we had had conversations with JT. The short answer is we talked to both. Okay, let me translate what Sandy Olson was doing. When you know going into an offseason, the way it works is when your season ends, you have offseason meetings about the week after. We, unfortunately, 17 out of 18 times did those offseason meetings in October. One time we had to do them in November. Hell yeah. You go through your roster. You hopefully have a payroll from your owner. And you talk about what your needs are and how you're filling them. Three ways to fill them. Trade. Draft. Free agency is really the best way to fill the holes. You go through the list of free agents, comes in a binder. You get a a disc that has video of the free agents. We go through what their salary would be, what we'd expect to have to pay, where that would fit in the payroll. We've got a board that has every player where a payroll is, where it's going in one year and two years, how many years of service a player has. So we know when they're going to hit arbitration. We know we're going to have to get rid of them, trade them, whatever. So you know what your needs are. The Mets knew immediately they had a need of catching because they literally did not have any catching when they got rid of Wilson Ramos. And so they said, we need catching. We've got JT Realmuto. We've got a new owner. We know that JT is going to command approximately seven by 25 is what he wants. He may not get that. We don't know exactly when he's going to sign, but we know JT. We know the Phillies are going to get involved. We know that catching is a premium position. So are we willing to wait? Are we not? What's the timing, et cetera? Here's how it works, though. You say to yourself that if we identify a must-have player, we should wait, but always maintain contact with the agent. Always let the agent know that we have great interest, but don't tell the agent that we have to have the player. That's a mistake that we used to make. More often than not, we would say, hey, we have to have this guy. And we'd tell the agent that. The agent would say, great, add another year. It's like the Yankees saying they have to have DJ LeMahieu, which they're not saying because they don't. So what the Mets did is they said, we don't have to have JT. We have to have a catcher. JT, during the meeting, said, I'm not ready to sign unless. When a player signs quickly in free agency, don't listen to what the player says, like Trevor May when he signed with the Mets. He didn't sign because he was so excited about Steve Cohn, so excited to be a part of that bullpen, so excited to be part of what they're doing in New York. No, they hit the bid. Take that back, Coca. They hit the ask. A player asks for an amount of money that they do not think it is at all reasonable for them to get. When a team says yes, the player says yes. You don't need to even, if a player says, I don't need to visit or talk to anyone, it means you made an offer that is way too high in both money and years. When James McCann signed for $40 million over four years, he knew he would not get one penny from more from another team. And Sandy Alderson tried to cover the fact up that they overpaid for McCann and tried to make it clear to the fan base that while we wanted JT, we didn't want to wait for him. It's all about timing. I'm sorry. 
I know I don't know the month. I know I don't know the day. But is spring training starting right now? I don't think so. Check that, Coca. But then Sandy continued with his Scott Boris-like metaphor and said, right now, things are a little slower in the gourmet section than they are in the meat department. If I'm James McCann, I'm saying to myself, God damn it. What kind of meat am I? I thought I was gourmet. I thought I was in the special section of the grocery store. You're saying I'm meat? Doesn't that have a negative connotation? Hey, this place, it's a meat market in here. Man, there's not a lot of beef in here. That's how people talk. They're not misogynist. They're just hormonal. I don't mean anything by it. It's not racist. It's not very nice. But it is a fact. Things are slower in the gourmet section. Do you know why? Because when you buy something that's gourmet, you take your time. You feel around. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, no, this one's better. Ooh, that cheese. Let me see that. No, that's gourmet cheese. Let me smell it. Ooh, that, that, yeah. The meat department, you go there under poultry or meat and you say, ah, they say organic and lean. Boom. If it's for your in-laws, you take the unlabeled chicken cutlets. When it's for a date that you're trying to impress while cooking, you make sure you open the meat in front of them and it says grass-fed. What a crock of crap. Organic. What does that mean? Organic grass-fed cows. Huh. Okay. I don't think it's very nice to describe players that way, especially when you just signed one of the players and you're trying to make them feel really good about being a Met. Do better, Sandy. Okay. I got to do nothing personal pick of the day, Coca. I'm not over it. I'm just not over it. I have to do it. Did you watch the Monday night game last night? Anybody? The Browns were getting three points from the Ravens. The Ravens were up 45 to 42. It's going to be a push. Everyone's going to be happy. I'm going to be five games over. The Ravens kick off after scoring. The Browns get the ball. They need to score with two seconds left. There's no time to run a play. Doesn't matter how many timeouts you have. You're doing that lateral game. 99.9 times out of 100. Laterals in football, which have to go backwards by definition. They don't work. You don't score. It's got to be 99.99999 times. The Ravens were up by three. It's a push. The Cleveland Indians lateraled so many times, going backwards so many times, that they forgot they were the Cleveland Browns. Sorry. And the Ravens got a safety. It can't be. The Ravens end up winning 47-42 and covering. Can you imagine if we bet on that game? Can you imagine if that had been the nothing personal pick of the day? Can you imagine? I can't. What a crock of crap. And Coca tell me pre-show. No, that happens. That's normal. Laterals, by definition, go backwards. That's why you try to kick a field goal or score a touchdown with no time on the clock. So something like that can't happen. I ask you, when is the last time a team covered on a last 
second end of game safety as a result, not of a sack, but as a result of nine plus laterals on a kickoff return from the team down by three. Dare I say it was the last and only time. We're 38 and 34, and I'm so pissed off that in order to do the pick of the day today, I'm going off the board. You won't even believe what I'm doing. Mikey, this one is for you. Mikey, who works on nothing personal, occasionally, went to Central Connecticut State University, and they've got a basketball team in Division I, and they're playing St. Francis, Brooklyn tonight. That's the Northeast Conference, folks. If you don't know, yes, they get an NCAA bid. Yes, it's Division I. What I can't figure out is why CCSU is only favored by a point and a half. Mikey spoke to the players who are his friends, and they said, no, no, this line's wrong. We ought to be favored by seven and a half. Well, that's called arbitrage. When the players say we should be favored by seven and a half, and Mikey, is Mikey still in school there, Coca? I don't know if he's still in school, if those are his current friends, or maybe he's their mentor. Anyway, we know for sure that Central Connecticut State University is going to win by more than one and a half over St. Francis, Brooklyn. Book that. Pick of the day, we're 38 and 34. Okay, wait to see is when we say something's going to happen and it doesn't. We had a wait to see that was based on Oliver Luck and Vince McMahon. Do you remember? I don't know when it was. I don't have the date in front of me because it's not over. But the wait to see is that Oliver Luck and Vince McMahon will settle their lawsuit. Oliver Luck is suing Vince McMahon for money, $23.8 million of unpaid salary that Oliver Luck wants that he was signed to his contract when he became commissioner of the XFL, the now defunct XFL. Oliver Luck did not sign a contract with the XFL to be the commissioner of the XFL because if he had, he'd be getting zero because the XFL was bankrupt. Oliver Luck signed a contract with Vince McMahon personally. Vince McMahon has not gone bankrupt. So when Vince McMahon fired Oliver Luck, Oliver Luck said, pay me my money. Well, the lawsuit is continuing. They have not settled yet. And there was something that happened yesterday that blew my mind. What they are now fighting about is Oliver Luck's passcode on his cell phone. Vince McMahon wants to see Oliver Luck's cell phone to prove Vince McMahon His point in not paying Oliver Luck is that once the pandemic started, Oliver Luck checked out and started doing personal stuff and not XFL-related stuff. He wants to go back and look at that cell phone, look at texts, look at the calendar, look at all stuff that was going on to see whether or not he was doing anything personal. I think Vince McMahon doesn't realize that everyone does stuff personal and professional. You can do both. You can care about the pandemic. You can be working on behalf of the XFL but you can still be doing personal things on your phone. I've seen it. I've done it. But Vince McMahon has his lawyers doing the stupidest things in the world, trying to not pay Oliver Luck. But this is all pomp and circumstance signifying nothing. The wait and see is not over yet, but this is all due to Oliver Luck trying to get the most he can in a settlement by saying, I will not show you my phone. And Vince McMahon saying, I'm trying to pay you the least amount of money possible once we settle this case, because mark my words, that way to see is still happening. That lawsuit will settle. Do you ever think you'd fight over a passcode? Vince McMahon told his lawyers, hey, listen, find me the passcode for Christ's sake. Guess his birthday, anniversary, his favorite players, maybe his son's uniform number. Get me the damn passcode because this is business. 
It's $23.8 million. It's nothing personal, Oliver. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.